Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Believe in the Jaguars right here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino. And as always with me is the managing editor of the Jaguars Wire over on USA Today, Mr. James Johnson. And Jay, we talked about this just last week. We released an episode on Thursday, and we were 100% concerned that after we released that episode, the Jaguars would officially announce who their head coach was going to be. And that is exactly what happened. So we are recording here just a few days later on Sunday morning to kind of get this episode out, to give everybody our thoughts and feelings on the hire. And uh, yeah, I think this was just the perfect example of how sports journalism is constantly moving and and of course, constantly updating. (laughs) Yeah, man. See, had you listened to me and just waited to record on Sunday all along, then we wouldn't have had that issue. But, you know, nobody listens well, to me You know, they were in here, such so high demand. We you know, we can't deprive people of our voices. You know they're waiting. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, the number one Jaguars podcast on the airway. So, yeah, I, I agree about the high uh, demand part. But, yeah, man, I'm glad to be back. Glad to talk about this situation with Urban Meyer as there is a lot to unpack. He's had his press conference since, so he's not only been hired, but he's he's met the Jacksonville media and the uh, NFL community in general and, and shared his thoughts and whatnot. So we'll be unpacking that as well. And as always, you know, we appreciate everybody that's been listening, rating, commenting, subscribing, uh, this, that and the other. And yeah, man, I'm ready to uh, get this one on the road. Absolutely. We can attribute all of the success that this show has had because of you guys that are listening. We thank you so much. We see all the comments. We see your replies on Twitter, and it really means everything. If you are enjoying the show and you haven't yet, please head over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. You can also follow us on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And if you do want to reach out to us on those social media outlets, we are on Twitter at Believe in Jags Pod. You can find me at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. And Jay is over at Sports Grind underscore Don. So really quick, before we dive into these clips, I want to give a special shout out to our first sponsor, BetOnline.ag. You guys, the Super Bowl is right around the corner. If you're looking for a place to bet on any of the sports going on, BetOnline.ag is the best and only place to lock it in. Not only, of course, are we excited about the Super Bowl, but the NBA season is back in full swing. And that James Harden trade just changed the entire landscape of the NBA. If you're a wrestling fan, I've mentioned it before, you can also throw down bets on who will win the Royal Rumble. There's so much going on over at BetOnline. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It literally never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Not much setup for this episode, guys. We're going to get right into it. Of course, the news broke Thursday afternoon. 
Urban Meyer has officially been hired as the next coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And that's what we're going to do in this episode. We are going to break down that decision as well as his press conference. We have a whole bunch of clips lined up. And let's get right into it, guys. Here is Urban Meyer speaking for the first time after being hired by the Jacksonville Jaguars. I would first like to thank Shad Khan for this opportunity to lead the organization into 221, 2021, and beyond. Like I said yesterday, I felt like this was not only the right time for me to return to coaching, but the right place in Jacksonville as well. Duval is a very special place to me. Duval is a very special place to me, and I'm excited to be back in the great state of Florida. The work has begun to get this team where it needs to be, and my primary focus as we speak is to put together a great staff. I've been very uh, uh, supported by some incredible coaches throughout the years, and I expect to do the same here in Jacksonville. These fans, especially our loyal season ticket holders, deserve a winner, and I can speak on behalf of myself, my staff, and eventually our team. They will get our very best. So there you have it, folks. Of course, the news of the day on Thursday that drove Twitter absolutely crazy, especially Jaguars Twitter, is the hiring of Urban Meyer. Jay, of course, we were waiting for a few days, few weeks even, and uh, you know we were a little skeptical about his commitment to the team, but here we are. Shad Khan has made that hire. So when that news came across, even though I think we were kind of expecting it to happen, uh, those photos started to show up about Urban landing at Cecil Field, and then lo and behold, a few hours later, he was announced officially as the next coach of the team. So how are you feeling? I know we definitely have a lot of thoughts about this. Yeah, first and foremost, shout outs to Dilla for uh, I want to give him his due on leaking the photos on uh, when Urban basically arrived at, I think it was Cecil Field. Um, I know it was a lot of um, people that posted his, um, I guess it was his pictures and he didn't get some credit for it. And I always suggest others not crediting him for getting the scoop on it. So shout outs to him and getting that out in the form and uh, basically the NFL community at that, that um, Urban Meyer had landed in Jacksonville to confirm all the reports that we had previously heard um, earlier in the morning. So in terms of how I'm feeling on Urban Meyer and the hiring, again, uh, like you said, like the, the commitment has concerned us. But at the same time, as I pointed out in uh, the last podcast, and I think Eric even pointed this out. I think you you can expect to have him at least five years. I, I think like he's been at all of his last few stops, the major ones, at least five years or, um, you know, maybe more. Uh, so I think his contract will probably be a four to five year deal. And um, the, the details haven't been disclosed on it yet. And I've been looking, but I guess that'll come out later. Uh, so I, I guess like, Maybe we shouldn't put that much worry into his commitment uh, because, you know, he, he will be around or or the past is shown he'll be around for uh, the entirety of, you know, an NFL head coaching contract. Uh, but we'll see, you know, there, there's still some skepticisms there. Uh, but, you know, in, in terms of, as I said before, if you're looking for a guy that is – uh, very, very into the game of football and just going to put his heart and soul into the aspect of learning the game, the NFL game. He's already learned the college game. Um, you know, Urban Meyer is a guy that is going to put a lot of time and heart and research into that aspect of it. He even said it in the press conference, and we might even play it in the clips later, 
he had been studying the NFL six months in depthly or, or thoroughly before he even, um, you know, he took this job basically, or six months, uh, the last six months of last year. And he's already, you know, studied the NFL in general um, as a coach and, and somebody who sent many players to the NFL. We all know about that, but he really got into it deeply. You know, the salary cap probably looked at some film on the game itself, probably reached out to coaches he knows and so on and so forth and asked them about the game and the difference it is between the college game and uh, the pro game and, and, you know, just taking that leap. So, you know, it looks like he's been preparing for this. Um, It looks like the Jacksonville Jaguars provided him with the perfect situation to come out of retirement. And what I mean by that is, you know, they were perfect in the sense they're getting Trevor Lawrence. Basically, that's what it seems like. I know a lot of people argue that it could be Fields or somebody else. The salary cap, which is something that Meyer said he's been studying too. The salary cap is going to be healthy for the Jaguars and, and so on and so forth. They got 11 or 10 other draft picks as well. So if there were ever, there was ever a time for him to make the leap to the pros, this was it because this scenario and this situation was perfect for him. And then you have patient ownership. Yeah, that was definitely very evident in his words. It seems like he had taken a lot of time to consider this decision between his health and his family and all of that. And, you know, I don't think we've ever once questioned his, uh, you know, his, his determination and his hard work. That's definitely not something that has come into question. We've all been just kind of wondering about his commitment. So, you know, I think at least for for us, Jay, you know, the concern just kind of comes with who is he going to surround himself with in terms of, of course, the coaches, the staff, and also the players that he's going to be bringing in. I mean, we're not even going to get in to all of that as far as, you know, what Urban has been, you know, linked to and previous transgressions or anything on along those lines. You know, my concern leading up to this has been uh, over on Facebook. Jay, I don't know if you saw that post uh, a couple of weeks ago. I just kind of put it out there. I wanted to hear from Ohio State and Florida fans and just ask them how they felt about Urban. And not very many of the comments that we got were very positive. And you kind of hope that at least, like you mentioned, he has in all of his 10 years, I think lasted at least six or seven years, which would be probably longer than what this contract is going to be. I don't think we have the details quite yet. But, you know, you just hope that if he does end up leaving in a few years, whether it be five, six or seven, that he does leave the, you know, the team in a, in a better place than he than it is right now. Of course, that would be the main goal. And, you know, something that people are going to be looking at, of course, is, you know, the history of of other college coaches. Yeah. One, one thing I will say, um, I was listening to him in some other format. I don't know if it was a podcast or a video, but um, one thing. He's been on record for saying, and not necessarily with this situation in Jacksonville, but when he was with Ohio, uh, one thing he he went off record for saying is that when he got to Ohio, one thing he wanted to make sure before he he left the situation was that it was in good hands, right? And, you know, that was the case with Ryan Day, who was one of his, I guess you could say his lieutenants, but his offensive coordinator, and served as, I guess you could kind of say, as an interim head coach when Urban got suspended in his last year. And he incorporated Ryan Day into that organization and into that team and into that coaching staff with the mindset maybe, I guess you could say, that Ryan Day may be the one that had to take the reins or would have to take the reins from him uh, had something happened or he left or he retired or whatever the case may be, his health flared up, whatever the case may be. So I think one thing we should watch for um, in this situation, again, like you said, 
who does he surround himself with in terms of a coaching staff? Uh, who is his, you know, his second in chief? Um, who who is uh, his his um, you know, assistant head coach, so on and so forth. Uh, because that could also be telling that, you know, he wants to have a plan in place even after, uh, you know, he's done with his contract or he leaves Jacksonville or he leaves coaching um, just entirely. He wants to have a plan in place uh, afterwards. And, you know, again, going back to what I was saying with Ohio State, Ryan Day, who he brought into that organization, and many people were questioning, like, you know, I don't know if Ryan Day is the offensive coordinator you want or whatever the case may be. And he signed off on it. He was like, no, that is who I want. And Ryan Day has that program doing pretty good and pretty well um, from, you know, when he left in 2018. So, I mean, like if the Jaguars are something that he really cares about deeply and most of the programs he's going to are programs that are connected to him, um, to the heart of him in some way, shape or form. Florida, obviously, um, well, I, not Florida because he's not from Florida, but Ohio State, of course, because he's from the state of Ohio. Um, he's also he's he's often talked about the legacy he wants to leave in Ohio, the state in general, which is a you know a football state uh, when you look at the history of it. And I think if he cares about the Jacksonville Jaguars because he does have ties to this area now due to the University of Florida, uh, you know. I think one of the things we should watch is who is his next man up in the uh, his understudy is the perfect way I could put it uh, when he names the staff. Right. And that is slowly coming together. You know, we're hearing reports of, of different names. I know Charlie Strong has been thrown out there. And of course, that's a name I'm very familiar with because of his time at Texas. Um, I do know that he has brought in who was essentially Tom Herman's right-hand man over at Texas. Uh, his name is escaping me right now. I can tell you guys, just as a Texas fan, those are two regimes, the last two regimes over at UT that did not work out very well. So, you know, not to say that that's going to for sure translate over here, or transfer over here as far as um, the success, but, you know, we'll we'll definitely see. I think today, Jay, we heard uh, Raheem Morris's name being thrown out there as far as a possible defensive coordinator candidate. So it is slowly coming together as far as who he is going to bring in. Now, Jay, I mean, one thing that we've heard a whole lot this past week is the comparisons to Jimmy Johnson's jump from college football, of course, over to the Dallas Cowboys. And Urban was actually asked about that, and here's what he has to say. Uh, Jimmy Johnson has become uh, a very good friend over the years in our time at Fox together. He was a guy that uh, I leaned on very heavily during the television uh, for the last two years. But then I have I had a few phone calls with him recently. He will be a resource for me. He will uh, uh, be a guy that I'll, I'll speak to quite uh, frequently. And I think there is a perception out there. He told me that you know, you have to be much different than you are in college than you have to be in uh, uh, professional football. But he made clear that players want to win. And players, you know, they want to win. They, they understand their value, their brand, and their lifestyle improves if you win. And they want to be around winners. So um, I'm very enthusiastic after speaking with them. Uh, I've also spoke to several of my very close friends in the head coach that are head coaches in the NFL. And uh, but Jimmy Johnson was fantastic, and he'll be a guy I lean on quite frequently. So, Jay, you just kind of talked about as far as, you know, who Urban's right-hand man or understudy is going to be. But it sounds like at least he's going to have a good resource in Jimmy Johnson uh, while navigating this thing. How does that make you feel? Because, I mean, 
of course, me as secondarily as a Dallas Cowboy fan, Jimmy Johnson is tied to pretty much the, the last bit of success the Cowboys have had in the playoffs and, of course, in the last 20, 30 years. Yeah, like you said, that goes back to what I was saying also about the the research and time he put into coming into the NFL before he did it. And those six months of last year that he really thoroughly got into the NFL, you would have to think with Jimmy Johnson being his comrade at Fox Sports that he spoke to Jimmy in-depthly about making the move uh, to the NFL. Now, look, the game has changed a lot since Jimmy Johnson was in the NFL. And like basically, that's what you said. Uh, because, you know, he's kind of the last uh, bit of success, you know, that Dallas Cowboys fans can point to uh, when you look at the franchise. So that said, still, Jimmy Johnson is gr- a great resource to have because he has had that success, like you said, from college uh, to the pro realm. And he was able to successfully make that jump. And there's been others to do it, too, as well. Um, as I said, Jim Harbaugh, who is with Michigan right now, um, but he came from Stanford, went to the San Francisco 49ers. We all saw what they could do. Um, I think he registered like what two or three 10 win seasons or more. And then I think his last season was like eight and eight. Uh, Pete Carroll is another one, albeit Pete Carroll is kind of different from everybody else in a sense that Pete Carroll uh, had two runs in the NFL before he went to USC and returned to the NFL. And uh, he ultimately didn't do good with the Jets, and uh, it was another team he was with that that's escaping my mind before he went to USC. But still, nonetheless, you know, those 10 years or that decade or around that decade mark, it might have been eight or seven years that he spent away from the game. Um, He came back, uh, revitalized the um, Seahawks organization, uh, got with John Schneider, who, you know, we all would probably say is one of the best GMs in uh, football right now and, and probably uh, John Snyder has been there for many, many, many years, um, pretty much the same time Carroll has been there. Uh, so, yeah, you know, when you look at those guys um, that I named Harbaugh, Carroll, Jimmy Johnson, uh, you know, it's possible that Urban Meyer could translate into one of those guys, um, especially when considering this is a man that won at an 85 percent rate on the college level. And uh, again, you know, all the resources and time and effort he's put into it. Um, I, I think he might be different from some of the people that have tried to make that leap in a sense that he he got to sit or sit for two years uh, since he left Ohio State, evaluate the NFL, uh, evaluate the college game as well uh, before he can make that jump. So, you know, all of his T's are probably crossed and all the I's are probably dotted for him to succeed. And, you know, if he did succeed, you definitely could look back at the time he spent away from football and the time he put into making a transition into the NFL before making the transition, you could probably point to that and say that's why he was able to be successful. Yeah, that is one thing that I have kind of just, you know, talked to myself about and and thought about to myself, I should say, is that he has had some time away as opposed to some of the other coaches that made the leap directly from college to the NFL you know, uh, where you think of uh, those guys and those names that you mentioned, he's had time again, just to go back to just the research and the due diligence. And you definitely hope that he has done that. And I hate to bring this up to you, Jay, because I know it brings up a, a rough, uh, a rough spot, but he does have a hell of a record at TIAA. <laughs> uh, amazing record at TIAA, man. I mean, again, we, we've had some good moments against him as well there, but yeah, man, like, He's been, I mean, we've seen it firsthand, you know, like, although we weren't going to the Georgia-Florida game back then, we were 
we were teenagers or whatever the case may be. But yeah, man, like we've seen it firsthand happen in Jacksonville. And again, you know, just that connection to TIA Bankville. And uh, since you brought it up and that connection to the city of Jacksonville, when he was a recruiter here, uh, it seems like he really holds the city of Jacksonville near his heart to some degree, which I think that's probably a good thing because going back to what I was saying earlier, that, that probably would help him to uh, leave the organization in good hands whenever he left uh, because it's something he does care about, like he cared about you know, his, his situation in Columbus, Ohio, with Ohio State, and like he cared about his other situations in the past. Well, Jay, of course, you know, we, we've already alluded to it just a little bit. One thing that he was often asked about was his health and what led to this decision of him changing his mind and coming back to coaching. So here, guys, I'm going to play three different clips in which he was asked about that. And also, you know, Jay, you talked about his win percentage, you know, and, and we, it's well documented how he took losses very, very hard in college football. And you mentioned it last week. You know, if he was taking losses hard in college, then it's going to be a lot more, a, a lot tougher here in the NFL. So here are a couple thoughts from Urban in terms of, you know, what led to his decision to come out of retirement. Well, if you're asking me if I'm going to enjoy losing, I, I think we all know the answer to that. Um, I, I'm I'm older. I've uh, something I'm going to be very conscientious of. It's something I'm going to watch very closely. Um, I will be in the head coach, but I'm going to hire great coaches that are going to be expected to do their job. I'm not going to be running around like a nut on the practice field, and you know those days are gone. I, I'm certainly going to. I know what it's supposed to look like, and I want to be very demanding of everyone, but. Uh, it's something I'm going to watch very closely, but it's something that, you know, I had that surgery in 2014 that really helped things. Uh, but uh, it's just something I watch very closely. Well, some college opportunities showed up and, and uh, it made you start thinking, you know, there's not a day. I'm sure that uh, every person, Bob Stoops is my dear friend. There's not a day that goes by that you just, you know, you see that grass, you see the team, you see a locker room and, and you think, and then you start thinking about, you know, quality of life, et cetera. And the comment I made, it, it would have to be perfect. And uh, I don't plan on, you know, college, I just don't plan on doing it. I don't, uh, I just, I don't see that happening. NFL has always been an intrigue. Uh, I had some opportunities in the past, but just wasn't the right time. And then wasn't the right situation. You know, this is Bill, you know me as well as anybody, is that we have to be in position to go win a game. And I believe this is the place. Uh, not too much to share, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I've experienced, uh, like, uh, it's well documented what happened in whatever year was 14 and then 17 and 18. And, you know, preventative, I, I'm very curious about the preventative, and that's what I've looked into in great detail. And I'm talking about the headache issues that I've dealt with. That's something that I'm going to watch closely. And uh, I've had detailed, long, detailed conversations with people that helped me through that, the physicians that are very close to me. So there you have it, guys. So it's not really surprising that he was asked about that quite frequently. And, you know, I, I would like to, to think again that he has not only done his due diligence when it comes to on the field, but also in terms of his health. So Jay, you know, it wasn't surprising that we got those answers out of him. I don't think I, what we mentioned before when we started recording, he wasn't going to come out and say, uh, yeah, you know, this is kind of a, a moving target. So I think really what he said is is really not too surprising, honestly. 
yeah, it, it's not too surprising. And again, you know, me and you share the concerns uh, about his commitment and, and some of it is the health that's tied to it. And, and some of it is like his inability to accept losing when, you know, this is the NFL and uh, the losing margin, though, and this is the good thing about it. The losing margin in the NFL is a little bit wider. You know, you can lose five games in the NFL and make the playoffs. I mean, pretty much all you have to do is be around double-digit wins uh, or even, you know, nine, eight wins can get it done in, in the NFL nowadays now that they've added an extra playoff slot for both the AFC and NFC. So I think it what it boils down to is, you know what I'm saying, how does he handle uh, these maybe potential five win losing seasons or, or whatever the case may be. Only time will uh, tell on that. But like you said, that that's a concern in itself. Um, in terms of the health, though, going going back into the health thing also, uh, the key with that is, and I've kind of harped on this on Twitter and on the site, is if you notice who he's leaning towards when he's building this staff, um, and he he's leaning towards people he knows or, you know, not even just people he knows or, or that work for him. Uh, but, you know, people that he kind of knows on a personal level, like Scott Linehan, who I, I pointed out, before, you know, long before we even got into the whole thing of signing Irvin Meyer as somebody who he would go to as an offensive coordinator because that's his mentor and so on and so forth. So, you know, he surrounded himself with lieutenants. And in Scott Linehan's case, and with what we're seeing in the the interest in Raheem Morris, is he's getting people uh, in terms of an offensive and defensive coordinator, or at least he's targeting people uh, that would take the strain off of him that have NFL experience as coordinators over like a decade of coordinator experience, as well as head coaching experience in the NFL too. That's key. Uh, Scott Linehan was once the Rams coach, uh, head coach, and as we all know, Raheem Morris was once the Bucks head coach and was the Falcons offensive, or or should I say, um, excuse me, interim coach. Uh, so from that perspective, it looks like he's going to heavily rely in terms of the, pre- the practice aspect and the preparation aspect on his lieutenants who have head coaching experience. That way, uh, again, like he said, he's not running around on the field like a, like a nut, basically, uh, during practice and so on and, and uh, so on and so forth, because as we've seen, it's pretty hot in Jacksonville, by the way. So I don't even think the weather would allow it, to be honest with you. I don't know if anybody's been to a Jaguars training camp or whatever the case may be, but it, it feels like it's 100 degrees constantly out there. Uh, but yeah, with these guys that he have or that he has lined up to be on his staff, uh, that should help with the transition and make it a little bit easier um, at the same time, though, it is the NFL, so it's a time-will-tell thing. And, it, you know, hopefully that does help him have a a, a, um, a great deal of health during his tenure uh, in the NFL. Yeah, and another thing to keep in mind as well, you know, for, for those of us that are a little concerned is, you know, medical advancements have been substantial in the last five or six years. So, you know, maybe there's something that he has come across that has made everything manageable. Now, of course, this is going to be a whole different level of stress and uh, you know wear and tear on on the body and of course the mind so you know you just hope that he has been able to at least it seems like he's able to come across something that has allowed him to manage whatever it is that has been ailing him in the past yeah you're right you make a good point we talk about medical advancements all the time you know what i'm saying in in, uh, in the sports community 
uh, with ACL tears and so on and so forth. The first thing we say is, well, with modern medicine, that player will be back within a matter of time. When Dak Prescott had the gruesome injury he had, as gruesome as it was, we all knew that Dak Prescott with modern day medicine would be able to return to football and, uh, you know, be able to probably play at a high level again. And, and you know, you are- look at Alex Smith. Right. Look at Alex Smith. Great story, by the way. And, uh, you know, there is no shortage of medical advances around the Jacksonville area, by the way. Um, you know, they, they have nearby uh, the Shands, uh, which is in Gainesville. We all know the University of Florida is kind of tied to uh, the medical field heavily and what, what they've done in terms of medical advances there. So, uh, you know, there is good care around the area in terms of medical advances, uh, in terms of its health. And like Phil said, uh, you hit it on the head there. You know, maybe there is something uh, that he's found along the way that can help him uh, have a uh, good long, uh, whatever the contract terms is in terms of what he signed, a good long tenure as a coach. Now, one thing I did want to also bring up is what he mentioned about, uh, you know, just that itch to come back to coaching, you know, when, you know, he mentioned Bob Stoops and when you hit the field and you see the grads and so on and so forth. I think I can uh, relate to that. You know, I kind of went through that with writing. I, I took a, a year or two away from writing and then, you know, you get that itch again. And then, you know, you start researching situations. And I came across the USA Today situation. I guess like, why I bring that up is because, you know, when you're entrenched and have put a lot of time into something, uh, you know, sometimes you can't help but to come back to it after taking time off. And uh, that sounds like that was exactly what was the case uh, with uh, Urban Mike. Yeah, I think we've all kind of come across that. I Similarly to me, Jay, I, you know, you know that I took a little bit of a break from stand up comedy for a few months and wasn't sure when I was going to return. But then that itch uh, came back and I wanted to get back into it. And then, of course, COVID happened. So <laughs> now I'm even on more of a sabbatical from that. But yeah, I think we all have those passions where we, we take a little bit of a break if we get burnt out, but then we always get get called back. So and, and, and hopefully that's what's happened with Urban. It sounds like he has a renewed sense of, of purpose and and drive and i'm 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 excited for what this means for the city because you know this is a huge story jay and you know of course there are going to be those national pundits that are that are crapping on it you know stephen a smith was getting some heat from jaguar twitter uh because of some comments he's made he's just mad because his Steelers get bounced by the jaguars every chance they get uh, whenever they face off in the in the playoffs so that's why he's mad don't pay attention <laughs> to him <laughs> but you know I, i'm i'm optimistic about what this means for the city and more importantly of course the franchise because i, I this has given kind of a renewed sense of energy and, and and he addresses that here in a moment as far as getting the fans back to uh, um, you know getting the fans back in the stadium but let's move on to this next clip here jay where shad khan was asked about the roster control because you know this was something that was brought up quite a bit in his most in, in his previous press conference after the firing of Doug Marone and you know we we uh, were kind of uh, wondering you know why the we, we hired the head coach before the general manager which usually is not how it goes so Shad Khan was asked about who is going to have final say when it comes to putting this team together but moving you know moving forward I think the issue of roster control it's more technical or symbolic my whole aspect, and this started really about, you know, 15 months ago, that we need to be a coach-centric team and an organization where uh, the head coach really has to lead the kind of players he wants, the kind of 
team we need to be. And um, the general manager, myself, we have to support that vision. And somehow, some way, that had been lost. And the idea here is really more about transparency, collaboration, teamwork, and accountability. So um, I think, you know, this would lead to the natural question. I mean, I've talked to Urban about, um, you know, our general manager, who it ought to be, and I, you know, and we're working together on it. I hope, uh, you know, we'll have an announcement or something uh, in the next week or so. But the object is going to be that, uh, you know, and and I shared this with Urban, he's on board, both of them, you know, will be reporting to me, but everybody in the organization, I mean, we're going to be, you know, carrying out, uh, obviously, Urban's vision of the team and the kind of players we want. And before we continue, I want to give another shout out to our next sponsor. With a new year comes tons of new big games in sports. With big games, you need big stakes. Kansas City Stakes has the cuts you crave to celebrate the playoffs and the big game. Visit KansasCitySteaks.com slash game day and save up to $25 on combos perfect for game day. Plus get free shipping with code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V at checkout. You can try out the snack pack combo featuring small plates with big flavor. Every order is flash frozen delivered directly to your home. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Basically every cut of steak imaginable plus appetizers, desserts, barbecue and so much more again go to kansascitysteaks.com slash game day and use the code believe b-l-e-a-v at checkout for free shipping kansas city steaks big games big taste angie's list is now angie and caring for your home just got easier whether you need help with routine maintenance or a dream remodel angie makes it easy to see reviews compare quotes and connect with top local pros who can get the job done right plus you can see upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects no phone tag, just the work you need done at a time that works for you. Angie's got your to-do list covered from start to finish. Book your next home project today at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot So, Jay, it sounds like that the in terms of the overall look and feel of the roster is going to come right through the eyes and vision of Urban Meyer. How does that, um, you know, how does that make you feel? Yeah, yeah. Basically, it sounds like Urban is going to have complete control in terms of um, the roster decisions. And I, like how I gathered it, and I put this on Twitter like weeks ago, what it sounds like is Urban is going to be the the head of football operations. And I think that's what people might be missing with the Urban hiring. He's not really so much as a coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars albeit you, you know he does have the head coaching title that's what he's titled as but he's more of a of a overseer for the Jacksonville Jaguars kind of like what they wanted Tom Coughlin to be if you will and he's a guy that you know it sounds like he'll probably if we're being honest it sounds like he'll wear the pants in the relationship between him and the GM which we'll get on later uh, but basically this is just going to be a situation it sounds like where Urban Meyer is the final say guy in terms of football operations and this is the best way i could put it but before he can make a major move or whatever the case may be sign this guy for 95 million dollars sign that guy um put in a selection for the draft uh whoever that may be trevor lawrence so on and so forth before he does that you know it has to go through shot con because it sounds like the, the prior regime basically had situations in there where you know, the, the higher up in the football ops 
business for the Jacksonville Jaguars didn't contact Shad Khan uh, for, you know, these major moves. And, you know, he kind of alluded to that when Doug Marone was fired when he had that press conference. You know, he, he was saying basically that it was times where, you know, they'd be signing a major player in free agency or something along these lines, and he wouldn't know until the player was signed. And, you know, that's not the way to run a football business. And, you know, that's that's kind of what comes with being hands-off, and that's why he's been saying he's going to be more hands-on. And we're kind of seeing that unfold with, you know, the situation uh, for Urban Meyer. So, in terms of the GM situation, looks like he'll be named uh, next week, as you said, and as they said in the um, the clip there. I think that might could bode well because I think like one of the the concerns I had, and a lot of fans shared his concerns too, and you did as well, Phil, is we didn't want Trent Baalke to be the GM, and it it could be. I don't know if it is necessarily. It could be a good sign that they haven't named a GM yet. Um, in terms of Trent Baalke not being the GM. Uh, because you feel like they would have simply said it, uh, but, you know, you you never know what the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, you know, maybe Urban is on that search in terms of the general manager, but the key, I guess, to to keep in mind is that it really won't really matter that much who the GM is, because Urban sounds like he's going to have the final say in the roster situation, and Urban Meyer, to me, is going to be the front office, and he's not going to work for the front office, as we've seen uh, coaches in the past like Doug Marone and Gus Bradley do. Uh, so I think that's the difference here, and that's the the thing that's worth noting, albeit now, uh, you, you know, you still want somebody uh, pretty good in that GM role, even though they won't be making the roster decisions and all of that, at least it sounds like. Uh, you don't just want anybody there. Uh, we'll see who it'll be. Uh, we'll see if it's somebody with connection and ties to Urban Meyer. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I really personally – uh, would prefer that it not be trampled. Now, Jay, let me ask you this question. You know, a general manager of a NFL football team seems like a, a, you know, a goal that a lot of people would want to aim for in their careers. Essentially, if you're on the front office side of things, that is the peak of the NFL ladder. So if is the fact that Urban Meyer is is essentially going to be running the show, does that deter a potential candidate from wanting to come here because essentially they have to run everything through him? That's a really good question, Phil. And um, one thing before I get to that, one thing I want to basically how to explain what kind of situation this is. Think of, um, and basically what the, I mean, they said, it, they use these words. This is going to be a coach centric team. Uh, in other words, they're using the new England Patriots model where, you know, Bill Belichick is the guy. Yeah. He had a GM, Nick Cassero, who ended up going to the Texans. Yeah, he had a GM, but Belichick had the final say in roster situations and, and draft picks and so on and so forth. And he is the face of the franchise. And that's basically what Shot Khan is trying to do here, kind of like Pete Carroll. Albeit, again, I mentioned John Snyder, the GM there, who deserves a lot of credit for what's going on there. But Pete Carroll is the face. People don't even know John Snyder. I mean, unless you're deep in the football like me and you and others. But Pete Carroll is the face of the uh, Seattle Seahawks. So they're, they're looking for uh, that model in terms of how they want to run the organization. Now, what your question was in terms of the, would that deter? Yeah, I would think like when Shot Khan was going through interviews and maybe he interviewed some people that Meyer suggested to him, even though Meyer hadn't had a job, uh, because it is going to be that way where, you know, Urban has the final say. And you don't want any friction because that could, you know, 
you could butt heads if a GM is coming in this situation thinking it's a, a normal setup where the GM makes the roster decisions and it's not that way. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you look at some of the guys they interviewed, too, and you kind of have to wonder if those guys would be uh, fits for the Jacksonville Jaguars, like a Rick Smith, who, you know, ran the Texans G, uh, the Texans um, general manager or the Texans front office for many, many years until uh, Bill O'Brien got there and it was friction. You know, like, how does he feel about a situation where the coach is running the show? after being in uh, Houston for eight years and having a lot of the power before Bill O'Brien got there and kind of butted heads with him. How does a Jerry Reese feel like that? Who's been in the industry, what, like 16 years or whatever the case may be. He was with the Giants and, um, you know, he was the GM for the Giants for many, many years. I I would say along the lines of eight, Uh, you know, how does he feel about uh, being the kind of the, the second guy, in the food chain, but low shotgun, not, we're not even including shotgun, but the second guy in the food chain, if you will, how would he feel about that? Then again, you think about it. Uh, Jerry Reese was there with Tom Coughlin as well. Uh, and that's a, that's a very, uh, and I'm talking about New York here. That's a very, very, uh, vibe. I guess you could say, um, I don't even want to say vibrant, but a big time personality in that organization. But I think in that situation with the giants, they made, it clear that Tom Coughlin was a coach. Hey, you stay out of the front office. That's Jerry Reese's job. Uh, but then again, you know, you would probably have to ask a Giants fan about that. But it seems like Tom Coughlin knew he was the coach and Jerry Reese knew he was the GM is the best way I could put it. So uh, that said, we got to look out and it's going to be very interesting to see who Urban Meyer names the GM as well, because it sounds like he's essentially going to be working under Meyer. Well, of course, you know, once the staff and the front office is put together, Jay, we are going to be looking ahead to putting the team together. And of course, that uh, the NFL draft is going to be the number one priority. And of course, the Jacksonville Jaguars have the number one overall pick, which most likely had a lot to do with why Urban Meyer is here. And he was asked about the top quarterbacks in the draft. And, you know, he wouldn't come out, uh, come outright and just commit to one guy. Here is what he had to say. You see Trevor, you see Justin, you see Zach, you see, you know, that, that this is going to be, you know, that, as Shad said, this is a monumental moment for this, this franchise. And we've seen some franchises explode and we've seen others fail. And, and I've said this many times, you know, throughout my career is that when the NFL says it's a quarterback league, you know, I would say, well, so is college and so is high school. So is Pop Warner. It's a quarterback sport. So whoever takes that snap is we have got to be right on. And I think Shad said it best that this is going to be the term that you're going to hear uh, throughout our time at Jacksonville there is a partnership. And there's going to be as complete transparency. That's the way I've always operated. And the GM that we hire is going to be complete, complete. Tra- and to our owner, to our owner, he is invested in an organization. And I'm telling you now, the, the reason I'm standing behind his mind, he wants to win. He wants, and he wants to win not for himself. He wants to win for Jacksonville. And who we pick at that quarterback spot, uh, that's going to be one of the most important decisions I've made in my lifetime. And uh, along with the partnership of our owner and our, uh, our general manager and the ones that are out there, uh, my initial study, because I have been studying a lot, uh, I like to use the term elite. I, I see some elite quarterbacks out there right now. 
So, Jay, I can't remember who it was from. Uh, it was somebody from the national media who stated that there was now some intrigue when with the number one overall pick. Uh, no, there's not. Right. <laughs> exactly. Phil. No, there is not a uh, clear cut and dry. Trevor Lawrence is the number one overall pick. Um, and, and look, this is no insider talk or nothing like that, but he's just an elite once in a decade prospect. And this is coming from somebody who I've been on record for saying I'm more of a Justin Fields guy, but I'm well aware that Trevor Lawrence is ready to make that jump right now or closer to make uh, closer in terms of what you look for in the NFL quarterback. He's closer to that right now as he is in Clemson. So that said, man, none of the 31 other teams and, and people are going to take a lot from that and try to unpack his statements and this, that, and the other. None of the other 31 teams would tell you who they're going to take first overall, and they would leave the door open, of course, because that's GM talk, that's front office talk. Uh, that's what that's just what the NFL does. They're not going to show their hand, albeit we all know who the first overall pick should and probably will be, and that's Trevor Lawrence. So you put any other team in the in Urban Meyer situation, they'd say the same thing. They would call Zach Wilson elite as well. They would call Justin Fields elite as well. They would call Trevor Lawrence elite as well. Kyle Trask, and it's some others that's escaping my name, uh, my mind right now. They would say that because you don't want to tilt your hand, albeit, and I put this in one of my articles, Urban Meyer has already kind of shown his hand when he chose Trevor Lawrence over Justin Fields in terms of his his personal rankings with Fox Sports before the season began. And, you know, as a Justin Fields fan, I would definitely still say I can admit that he didn't really close the gap between him and Trevor Lawrence. Therefore, you you have to think it's going to be uh, Trevor Lawrence who's going to be the first overall pick. And, um, you know, th- this is just something simply fans shouldn't basically put too much into or, or basically uh, – dive into like the analysts who who are going to say oh it could be fields uh by the way urban meyer didn't coach fields although there's the osu ties but he didn't coach fields fields came there when ryan day was the coach so that's something also to keep in mind there uh but yeah just don't don't get too don't go down that rabbit hole like the journalists are uh to the fans out there that's listening to today's episode well, let's be honest, Jay. As well, you know, you're you're in the in, in the journalism field. Something like that, that creating the intrigue is a, a more fun and bigger story to cover. If it's just clear, clear cut and dry, it's Trevor Lawrence from here until April. There's not much to talk about. But if you try to twist these words and take something out of context, it's going to result in more clicks and more retweets and all of that stuff. Exactly, and I'm glad you brought that up. And yeah, yeah, from that standpoint, yeah, you're right. We got to respect the field of journalism from that degree because you know it's something they also make money off of they have to build intrigue i mean i would i would know about that you know we have to do it too we have to do it with this podcast we have to do it with the site so you know like for tom i think it was tom pelicero that said it you know it makes sense you know even though he's an nfl insider for nfl network it makes sense that people would you know make that first overall pick intriguing because it's just fun to do and i mean Depending on what site you go to, uh, you know, people will go down that rabbit hole. And, and depending on who you ask, some people might not go down that. You know, it just depends on, you know, basically, I guess the media site, I guess, if you will. But, um, yeah, I mean, like you can't like that's one thing I, I will say this. Don't 
blame Pelicero for, you know, saying that or whatever the case may be. Because at the end of the day, you know, it could be tied to, you know, making things interesting for the sake of his job. And, uh, you know, he has things that he's invested in, podcasting, so on and so forth. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. We we can't, like, actually, like, critique him and point fingers at him for that. Now, one thing that can be critiqued here, Jay, is is possibly our facilities. And apparently, that was one of the big hangups in terms of bringing Urban Meyer in, is that he wanted a commitment from Shad Khan that there would be some sort of upgrades to the facilities. And, um, you know, he was asked about that in terms of the importance of making sure that those upgrades come along with along with him. Well, I believe it's everything is. There's a one way that, you know, people who work for me, with me, uh, they'll hear a statement that is this the best of the best. And if it's not, then the question is, well, why? And that's the same thing I'm doing on every every time I walk through everywhere. We did that at Ohio State. We did that at Florida. Is this the very best? And if it's not, then especially when you start talking about player welfare and safety and then just the players. And if it's not the very best, let's have a chat and do what's very best because you know, the, the Jacksonville players are going to get pushed. They're going to get pushed. In return, we give them the very best. That includes the coaching staff. Number one, the coaching staff. You know, does a, a big hot tub much different than a small – have that much of a difference? I didn't say that. But I just want to make sure it's the best of the best. And, and Shad is very committed to that as well as this organization. But that, that's something that it's hard for me to answer right now, but – I think within months, you might see or hear things that we're, we're doing the very best we can for our players. Now, to me, Jay, I don't know if, if this is what you picked up on. That, that very la- Those last few sentences or words there kind of was him saying, oh, yeah, there's going to be upgrades. Just wait. <laughs> They're coming in the next few months. Because when I think of, you know, uh, top-notch facilities, you know, I'm not I'm, – I'm, of course, we have the practice bubble, which, which we got as part of dailies. But – when I'm thinking of top-notch facilities, I'm thinking of, you know, the Seattle Seahawks, the Dallas Cowboys, even the college programs. Like, look at the University of Oregon. I'm definitely not thinking about the Jacksonville Jaguars. So how big of a deal is it going to be? And how much role does it play in in, in players wanting to come here and continue to stay here? Um, how, how important are those facilities? Yeah, you're right, Phil. You know, that's and this is just something that Urban is more so bringing from the college realm, as he, as he basically said, you know, when he was at Florida, when he was at Ohio State, you know, when he walked around the campus, like, um, you know, is this world class is the word I would use. And look, if you're Shad Khan, this, this is kind of what Shad Khan has always needed. If you're Shad Khan and you want to be a world class organization, sometimes you have to reflect that with some of the things you have in terms of a facility. And it's, you know, it's funny because we always associate Shot Khan with having a lot of money, this, that, and the other, being one of the richest owners in the NFL. Well, one thing that should be a priority for him is to reflect that he is one of the richest owners in the NFL. And you want to reflect that this is a world-class organization. And you want to get away from that stigma that it's not a world-class facility. So I think what Meyer's saying is when you build those things uh, it does reflect who you are as an owner and an organization. And that being said, like you said, in the college realm, you have the Texas of the world. And it's it's easier to do in college uh, because it's a recruiting tool as well. But it's easier to do in college as well because, like, the boosters throw boatloads of, money, uh, boatloads of money at these universities, Georgia, 
uh, Alabamas of the world, so on and so forth. And and that being said, like it's not as common, kind of if you will, on the NFL level. Albeit the NFL has a boatload of money on reserve as well. And that being said, it should be more like college, not just not because you want to recruit the best people or the best players or free agents or whatever the case may be, but uh, you just want it to reflect that, reflect you as an owner and reflect that, hey, this is the NFL. The NFL should have better facilities than the colleges uh, because, you know, it's, it's the highest level of football that you can go to. So, yeah, like you said, man, like what I took from that is that Urban Meyer is probably going to be getting uh, some upgrades and facilities or so on and so forth. And, you know, this is something we've actually prided ourselves in talking about, at least me, uh, even before Urban Meyer, even before Gus Bradley and Doug Marone. You know, like if you all can go back and just look at my history, I've always said the Jacksonville Jaguars need an indoor practice facility. The many, many years they went without one just was a bad look. It was a bad look, especially in a, a city that, you know, is in the way of, uh, you know, hurricane season. I've also, you know, harped on this well before Urban Meyer has been there. You know, if you look at some of the elite organizations in the league, they don't. And this is not necessarily a bad thing, but they don't use their stadium as a headquarters. They have a separate headquarters. And you would know about this field uh, with the, the Dallas Cowboys. And I would know about this as a secondary uh, Atlanta Falcons fan. They have facilities and headquarters that don't uh, that are away from the stadium the stadium is the stadium that's just where they play but the headquarters and the facilities are actually the quote-unquote homes of these teams uh the atlantas of the world the baltimores of the world the dallas cowboys of the world and the one that dallas has is ridiculous in itself that thing is like its own city i remember driving past that thing when i lived out in dallas and it's it's absolutely nuts like it could be its own small town Yes, yes, they have a their indoor facility can serve as a high school as a high school arena for high school football games. It has bleachers and everything. It's nuts. If you will go look up, you know, for the people listening, go look up the one that the Carolina Panthers are looking at and so on and so forth. And guys, you remember the first renderings we were seeing of an indoor practice facility? Y'all remember those? It was a glass two tier facility with a field on top of a field. That's the kind of stuff Urban <laughs> yeah. Meyer is going It's uh, not what you, we got. <laughs> right, exactly. Not what we got. Not to say the one, the, the flex field, the flex field is actually pretty dope, not to say, but it's just miles different from what we got initially. And that's what Urban Meyer is getting at. You know, like he's his vision is more so the two-tier practice field and having a headquarters maybe, you know, like I don't want to put words in his mouth, having a headquarters away from the actual stadium and let the stadium be just what it is, the stadium where the Jaguars play. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised in 2021 if you hear Shad Khan talking about they want to build a, a headquarters or a facility in St. John's County or somewhere in Jacksonville after Urban Meyer has been brought into this organization. Yeah, and I think this is one of those things, just like you said, Jay, it's one of those things where maybe uh, just Shad Khan had to have someone uh, who's very strong-willed like an Urban Meyer because I don't know. I, I actually I, I know for a fact that it, any of those other coaching prospects that were interviewed would not have had the uh, the same weight as Urban Meyer in terms of demand, you know, his demands. And I think if anything, like 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 we've said, if, if Urban Meyer ends up leaving in five years and the team has success and we end up with better facilities and upgrades to the stadium, then you know what? He will have at least done part of his job. Of course, we want it to result in wins. But if Urban Meyer comes in here and causes and and essentially demands Shad Khan upgrade 
the stadium and the facilities and everything else for the franchise, I think that is a win in and of itself. Exactly, Phil. That ties back to what I said. Leaving the franchise in better condition than you found it. Leaving the situation in better condition than you found it. He did that with Columbus, or should I say Ohio State University. When he got there, they got these indoor facilities. I don't know if you've seen it. It's a video out there. It's nuts, man. The indoor facility they got for the football team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, you've seen this stuff before. We've all seen it. I mean, as fans of Texas and the Cowboys and University of Georgia and and, and uh, the Falcons, you know, we all seen it. But yeah, like like you said, yeah, that would tie into the whole situation of leaving the Jaguars organization in better shape than he, uh, you know, than he arrived in. And, you know, you can't complain about that kind of thing. Albeit, you know, the most important thing is clearly wins. Exactly. And wins and losses is something that I or that we put out over on Twitter, Jay, over on our uh, Twitter page, Believe in Jags pod. The question was asked, what are your realistic expectations for Urban Meyer as head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars? We put four options out there. The first option was at least one Super Bowl. The second option, multiple Super Bowls. The third option, playoffs, no Super Bowls. And then the fourth option was he'll last three to five years. Pretty interesting results here, Jay. I'm sure you've seen them. Uh, 43.7% leads the way with at least one Super Bowl. Second place is playoffs, no Super Bowl. Third place is he'll last three to five years. And fourth is multiple Super Bowls. And Jay, we all know that he is going to have his work cut out for him in terms of winning the fan base back. Now, it seems like in terms of the the season ticket sales, you know, this has already gone a long way and they haven't even taken a snap on the field. But he talked about what the importance is of, of winning this Jacksonville Jaguar fan base back. Well, I think it has something to do with, uh, I'm not sure I said this earlier, but I I talked to Shot about this and it might be a little high schoolish. I get that. But when they see the Jaguar emblem, there's I, you, you better have ownership and you better love it. And if not, I, it's my job to eliminate those people from this organization. And that's, I take that very serious. I've taken that when I was a Florida Gator coach. When you talk about the Gator head, we, if you go back in memory lane, I actually took it away from the player and staff. You don't always blame the players. I, I, I hear that. And I try, you, know, you guys know that. I don't blame players. I blame coaches before players. But, you know, just when you see that Jaguar emblem, I want – we've done a good job in several years if the this, this city of Jacksonville – when they see that Jaguar emblem, there's a sense of pride, and let's go, man. Let's let's go. That's that's. I can see a fast team. I see people that care deeply about that organization, and the two things I always talk about are that inspire, are part of inspiration, or love and ownership. I want you to own it, and if you don't want to do that, you can't. You really can't be here, and own that own that emblem. And Jay, I'm gonna be honest with you, as as, as a fan. This was my favorite part of the press conference. And, you know, it is kind of sometimes hard to separate that between analyst and journalist and also your fandom. And, you know, this was my favorite part of it because, yeah, the Jaguars are essentially bottom tier in terms of the, you know, what other fan bases look at. Yeah, they had that nice run in 2017. But then, of course, in the last couple of years, it's just been business as usual. So I think as a fan, this definitely will resonate with the right people. And it is shown in terms of the season ticket numbers. They have been seeing crazy spikes in terms of fun, uh, in terms of phone calls. And, you know, this is the Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence effect. And I, I did like this part of the uh, of the presser. Absolutely agree with you. Absolutely. Especially about the, the, the whole emblem thing, you know, in a nutshell, like how I gathered it, it. And it's already this way. You know, there's a sense of pride 
it comes with when you're wearing your Jaguars gear and so on and so forth. But, you know, like you always want uh, your peers to respect that as well. Like, you know, you, you would rather it be when somebody come up to dap you up or what I guess elbow bump you in this day and age. We're dealing with a pandemic, uh, hopefully with a mask on, by the way, uh, both of you. But when somebody comes to uh, acknowledge you or say something to you or see you with Jaguars gear on, you want it to be more so. Oh man, yeah, you're a Jaguars fan, man. They had a great season, man. Like that that team is really doing good things and so on and so forth, more so than it being, oh man, you you guys have had it rough and it, you got your team is sucked and so on and so forth. And uh yeah, that is why exactly like you said, that really pumped me up. And that was probably for me too as well, uh, the best part of the press conference. So, you know, he, he wants a, a great deal of pride to come with that Jaguar head. And, uh, you know, wins and getting the wins and going to the playoffs and being consistent will get that if he can do it. So, you know, that that just kind of goes back to what I was saying. Jacksonville seems close to him in some capacity and near and dear to him because of when he was with Florida. And, you know, not only that, but, you know, that it's in the backyard of Gainesville or you could say it the other way around. Gainesville is in the backyard of Jacksonville. And, you know, he did all the recruiting here, says he has friends here. So, um, from that standpoint, he wants a sense of pride to come with it for the fans and his friends and his family and so on and so forth. And one thing about it, man, just from that tidbit and that nugget that you took out of there and, and that clip, one thing you can take out of that, there's not going to be any coming to Jacksonville at TIA Bankfield and stomping on the logo and there not being any repercussions. You know, while people have these health concerns about Urban Meyer, um, it sounds like he ain't having that. You're not going to come here and disrespect this franchise and, and say uh, all of these things we've heard said by players about this franchise. Uh, that isn't going to be anymore. Um, but again, you know, a lot of that can be stopped uh, by wins and, and, and success and so on and so forth. Well, I think, of course, the Jaguar social media team knew that that clip was going to <laughs> going to pump up a lot of people as well since they cut it up in a video package and i think that was the right call i mean they they definitely know what they're doing over there so that i again like i said as a fan this pumped me up for sure and uh, we're optimistic about the football side of things and you know we're not going to talk about it anymore but it's just some of the things from his past that concerned us we hope that it translates into making the jaguars a, a known commodity as well as uh you know upgrading uh, the stadium but that means bigger things for the city of jacksonville as well i mean we've seen more national media attention here in the last last week or so than we have really in 2018 and 2019 and jay you're right when you wear your Jaguar gear and you're out and about, I can tell you when I was out in Jacksonville, I mean, sorry, when I was out in Dallas wearing my Jaguar gear it was in 2017. I did not live here at the time. It was a sense of pride because we were having so much success because we had these legitimate superstars on the team and Calais Campbell, Jalen Ramsey, things like that. The whole conversation changed when I was out and about and wearing that, uh, you know, wearing uh, that merchandise. You're right. Yeah. Back in 2017, uh, you know, people were like, yeah, oh, the defense was amazing. Like, the defense is historic, man. You guys are going great places. You know, that was a conversation when somebody addressed you as a Jaguar fan. Little did they know it was turmoil building in the building. And, you know, it, it was just all ready to implode and crumble. A little did we know as well. Like, that, that's where it was going and so on and so forth. One thing I wanted to say, I don't know if I should even bring this back up, Phil, but... What struck me about that that clip that you just played from Urban Meyer 
and that nugget and just the whole press conference in general had urban meyer had his press conference and said what he said uh before the lot j vote it feels like he might have gotten the lot j uh situation yeah which i mean again like that's probably for the best because the the taxpayers were actually absolutely getting duped in that situation but yeah that's just something that kind of came to mind albeit you know everybody's like look lot j's behind us uh so on and so forth but um while i'm at it i guess i can kind of say this though instead of building lot j in the parking lot or whatever how about just expanding the jaguars front office and making the parking lot their headquarters and building on it uh since urban meyer wants new facilities and so on and so forth make good use uh make good use of it and you know if you're shot con it's your headquarters it's your team facilities so on and so forth uh, you, it feels like that'll be a situation that should probably come out of his pockets as opposed to the taxpayers. And there you go. You can make good use of an area uh, that you were going to use, but it just didn't quite go well for you. Yeah, I think that's a great idea, Jay. And I'm, I'm hoping, you know, with Urban Meyer in his ear that a lot of these changes that we've been wanting to see and upgrades that we need come to fruition. And I think at least if, if anything, like I said, Urban Meyer is definitely that guy in, in terms of getting... Uh, into the head of Shad Khan and telling him, hey, look, if you want to build a winning organization, this is what you need to do. But uh, Jay, you know, I, I think that kind of sums it up. I mean, this was, uh, of course, we only talked about the one topic. And of course, it's the topic that everybody wants to discuss. But, you know, we, we covered it and I'm excited to see what happens next. Of course, we're going to have a lot of stuff to look forward to. So, you know, what what exactly are those things in terms of not only the podcast? I know we have some guests that we're hoping to line up here soon, but also what's going on over at the Jaguars Wire? Yeah, the Jaguars Wire, we're pretty much on uh, staff and watch, head coach, and not head coach, but um, assistant watch. As we already named some of the names, Charlie Strong, as you said, uh, Scott Linehan, uh, Joe Cullen has been tied to coming back to Jacksonville, so on and so forth. So that'll be the bulk of what we're doing. And just kind of assessing, you know, what Urban Meyer brings to the table and what the future could look like. And, uh, you know, watching, you know, what they do with the front office as well, because the big GM decision is coming up, albeit, uh, like I said, the GM will probably more work for Urban more than it being the other way around. And then, like you said, with the guests, man, now that we have Meyer here, like you would have to think business is not going to just be booming for the Jacksonville Jaguars, but for the Jaguars wire and the podcast as well. Uh, so, you know, maybe we'll reach out. And uh, we, we should try and get guests that, you know, can speak on Urban Meyer and what he did at uh, Ohio State and at Florida as well. Um, so, you know, with Urban Meyer coming here, you better believe that uh, we, we probably have to step up our game in terms of the guest aspect. And, uh, of course, we'll be working hard to do so. As I said in the last podcast, we want to get y'all a string of about two months worth of guests here. Um, and, and we'll continue to work towards that. You guys, there is so much to look forward to. And of course, the year is just beginning as we embark on what is going to be the most exciting time of uh, being a Jacksonville Jaguar fan in, in quite some time. And, uh, you know, because of all the changes that are coming along, of course, we got the NFL draft coming up. We're going to be following that very, very closely. But guys, thank you so much for listening again. If you're enjoying the show, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five star review along with subscribing. You can also follow us on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, luminary and tune in you can find us along with all the other believe podcasts at believe.com and at believe podcast on instagram and twitter you can find us at believe in jags pod phil the filipino f-i-l-i-p-i-n-o and sports grind underscore 
locked on. So guys, believe in the Jaguars, believe in Urban Meyer, and most importantly, believe in yourself. We will see you next time. Draft Urban, draft Pitts, go Jags. Go Jags! For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.